Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Servants of Grace theology segment. Today we have a great question from one of our listeners. It's a question that I've often gotten. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I cannot tell you how many people are asking this question and they have this question on their mind and on their heart. So I hope that you will find this uh, particular episode to be personally uh, helpful. I know that you might have further questions about this, so feel free to ask those questions. We are always happy to answer your questions that you have. If, if anyone has slandered Christ or rejected him for a, a season, uh, Jesus says in Matthew twelve thirty two, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. It, it, it matters not what a man once said about Jesus. If he repents, God will forgive. On the other hand, Matthew twelve thirty one says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, this is known as the unpardonable sin. It, it cannot be an ordinary sin, nor can it be a, a repeated sin. When Jesus says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, we realize there must be something extraordinary about that sin. The Pharisees had not committed it when they blasphemed Jesus, but they, they came close enough that Jesus' warning was in order. Uh, when the Pharisee says that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Satan, it was blasphemy, and that is a serious sin. And yet Jesus distinguished it from blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which cannot be forgiven. And so the distinction between blasphemy against Jesus, which is forgivable, and blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, unforgivable, it rests upon the work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts of sin and testifies that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners. And Jesus says someone can reject him and God will forgive if he repents and believes. The Pharisees did not, as Jesus said on the cross, know what they were doing in Luke 23, 34. Sins of ignorance, however severe, are pardonable. Paul blasphemed and persecuted the church, but God had mercy on him because he sinned in ignorance. Likewise, many Jews who participated in the crucifixion did not understand what they were doing and eventually repented. Blasphemy against the Spirit is the sober, clear-minded, deliberate rejection of Jesus as a very agent of evil. Despite the full knowledge of his work and in the face of the Spirit's full testimony to him, this blasphemer has heard the gospel proclaimed with clarity and power. He has watched Christians live good lives, and yet he hates Jesus and hates Christianity and views it as wickedness and deceit. But let's be clear. He hears, he understands, and he despises. It's an intentional rejection. It's not easy to commit this sin either. Some people say, well, have I committed this sin? Now, Christians... Those who are born again are kept by God's power. They cannot commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers who fear this sin have not committed it. If they had, they would be smug and satisfied, not fearful. The Pharisees had not yet committed this sin. They didn't know enough. 
if they hadn't seen the end of Jesus' story, his death and his resurrection. And so perhaps some of the Pharisees committed this sin later on. But for now, Jesus warns them of the danger and bids them repent. So the concept of the unpardonable sin, it's fearful. And yet it also contains a seed of hope. It teaches us that every other sin, however terrible, can be forgiven. In fact, anyone who's worried about this sin is far short of this sin. Indeed, concern about the unpardonable sin may be a token of the spirits working in the heart. Those who are guilty of the sin are so settled in their rejection of the faith that it will not alarm them. And whoever we are, whatever we've done, we can still find mercy if we repent and believe and, and trust in the person and the work of Jesus. In fact, as reassuring as it is to know that God will remember us in this lifetime, it's infinitely more vital for him to acknowledge us in the life to come. In fact, Jesus puts our relationship with himself into an eternal perspective. He summons us to the tribunal of heaven, where the greatest of all judges holds court with all of his angels. And so to acknowledge Jesus before men is to be open and honest about our total life commitment to him as our Savior and our Lord. It is to show that, that we are Christians by the things that we do and the things that we say. It, it is to the work of Christ, to play for Christ and witness for Christ in our daily lives. It's to make a verbal confession of our faith, both inside and outside the church and to confess christ is to do all these things regardless of what persecution or even opposition we may suffer in fact if we do not confess christ we deny him and if we deny him he will deny us this is only fair but it's also frightening because jesus will deny us when it matters most of all at the final judgment and on the day when all the secrets and all are revealed before the throne of God, Jesus will not testify that we belong to him or even claim the merits of his death on our behalf. Instead, he will send us to hell, a place of unrelenting, unending conscious punishment, and all because we're too afraid to make a stand for Jesus. And this ought to lead to some serious self-examination. We need to ask ourselves questions like this. Am I confessing Jesus Christ or denying him? And if I've denied him, I need to offer full repentance for my sin and make a true confession of my faith. And if I do this, God will forgive me. However, Jesus also went on to give this sober warning in Luke 12:10. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So to speak against the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is to speak against Jesus Christ without full un fully understanding who he is or what he has done. It is not to be the full and the final denial that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 12, 9. Nevertheless, it's still sin, a sin of weakness that God can and will forgive. In fact, an excellent example of such forgiveness is the forgiveness Jesus offered the men who taunted him on the cross. And in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Blaspheme, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit must be a different and a more serious sin. From similar passages in Matthew and even in Mark, it appears to be the sin of someone who knows that Jesus is the Christ but attributes his power to Satan instead. In fact, it's of the very nature of the case that such a person, hardened by sin, will not be forgiven, not because of any deficiency in God's grace, because such a person denies the only gospel that, that can ever save anyone. 
You see, the blood of Christ is sufficient for any sinner who truly repents, even a sinner who on occasion denies the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus calls Christians to believe the witness of the Spirit and to rely on his assistance whenever we Whenever, whenever, and uh, we speak for Jesus, and and when Jesus told his disciples to be unafraid and unashamed, he didn't expect us to do this in their own sufficiency. He promised that the Spirit would be with them to help them, and Jesus was preparing his disciples for persecution. In the coming days, they'd be dragged before various religious and political authorities, both Jewish and Gentile, and, and they would be forced to defend the faith. In fact, this began to happen only days after Jesus ascended into heaven, when Peter and John were arrested by the temple police and hauled before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4.1. Under the threat of such opposition, it'd be tempting for them to be afraid, if only of the persecution itself, then of failing to be a good witness for Christ. Jesus told them not to worry, because the Holy Spirit would teach them what to say. And God fulfilled this promise. Every time the apostles appeared in court, they had another opportunity to proclaim the gospel. We see this again and again in the book of Acts. In fact, the apostles fearlessly preached in the power of the Spirit, and many people were saved through their ministry. We, too, can trust the Holy Spirit to help us when we witness for Christ. As the Scripture says, and this comes from Peter, who knew what it meant to trust the Spirit, we always need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And he says that in 1 Peter 3.15. But there are some situations for which it's impossible to prepare. And when that happens, we can trust the Spirit to help us. We do not need to know all the Bible verses. We do not need to have all the answers. We even persuade people to repent and believe the gospel. All we need to do is speak a word for Christ and pray that the Holy Spirit will use what we say, however inadequate, to do his saving work in people's lives. This is where true spiritual courage comes from. It comes from freely confessing our sins, fearing God more than we fear people, trusting the watchful care of the the Father, knowing that Jesus will defend us at the final judgment, and depending upon the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to thank you for listening or even watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.